going to go right into our lesson this morning. What we are going to do today, I want you to go ahead and go to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. Now, all of us in here are too spiritual to admit this, but there are some portions of the Bible that uh, we won't say are boring uh, because that sounds terrible, but are difficult reading. And um, when you're reading the Bible, Genesis is a very, I think, easy book to read. Um, you've got a few genealogy sections in there, but you've got fantastic stories. You get into Exodus, fantastic stories. But then, you know, after chapter 20, where you have the Ten Commandments given, then you start getting into all these instructions for the tabernacle, the priesthood, things in the law. And some of that can be a little dry. And so what, we're gonna, what I want to do today, I want to use some visuals as we go through some of these passages that I'm telling you, when you understand what you're looking at, you know, because we don't read that much culturally, we're not real good at seeing images from words. And, you know, that's kind of a part, you know, problem we have in our culture. And so... Um, I know whenever I started watching a lot of this stuff that I'm going to show you, this is from a, a computer program I got years ago. It really helped me whenever I started reading through these passages because now I'm picturing something in my head and it just kind of made the Bible go from black and white to color, you could say. So I want you to pay attention because um, as we do this at the end, if we have time, I might not be able to get to it till next week. I want to kind of do a little trivia. Okay. In fact, I'm going to show you pictures of some of these things. And I want you all to be able to identify the vessels of the tabernacle. And so let's start reading first before we watch the video. In chapter 25, verse 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it. Willingly with his heart ye shall take my offering. And this shall be the offering which ye shall take of them, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet, and fine linen, and goat's hairs, and ram skins dyed red, and badger skins, and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil, and for sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I shall show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. Now, not to get ahead of myself, but we all know later they're going to build a temple, a permanent dwelling place. We also learn later in the Bible that that temple that they made, it was made after the pattern of a temple that's in heaven. There is a temple in heaven where Jesus offered his blood on the mercy seat. The one that was on earth, it was a figure of what was to come. This tabernacle, it was like a portable version of that tabernacle. And so that so the thing is, God immediately gave them this tabernacle uh, when they came out of Egypt, but we all understand that they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and so they had to have something that was portable. So this tabernacle that we have, later we're going to uh, do a lesson where we look at some things of the temple, and uh, you'll see a lot of similarities, but the tabernacle is like a smaller portable version of something that God has in heaven. And within that tabernacle were certain vessels that were very important. And again, these vessels, they were modeled after ones that are in heaven. There's a, there is a temple that's in heaven. 
And so um, we're going to look at these things. So the first one, this one is one that you all will be familiar with, one that I know uh, you all will recognize as soon as you see it, uh, not because you're spiritual and you know the Bible real well, but probably because you've watched Indiana Jones and things like that, and that is the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, The Ark of the Covenant is the first one that is mentioned. And so I'm going to play this video. I'm going to kind of read along. I'm not going to use the sound that this video has because it's not King James, uh, but um, I'm going to read this to you kind of as we watch this video. Uh, and so you can kind of watch as I read through, but we have in verse 10, it says, and they shall make an ark of shittim wood, two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, within and without thou shalt overlay it, and shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it, and put them in the four corners thereof, and two rings shall be on the one side of it, and two rings on the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark, that the ark may be born with them. The staves shall be in the rings of the ark, they shall not be taken from it. And thou shalt put into the ark of the testimony which I shall give thee. And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold, two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat and make one cherub on the end and the other cherub on the other end even of the mercy seat shall ye make the cherubims on the two ends thereof and the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high covering the mercy seat with their wings and their faces shall look one to another Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark. And thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. And there I will meet with thee. And I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat. From between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things. Which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. So, does that look like a pretty good description of what I was reading right there. So, again, it's kind of nice to uh, have something like that just to kind of give a visual, but uh, the Ark of the Covenant. And so, again, when you're just kind of reading through that, it's just it's kind of hard for us to picture, but it's pretty neat uh, reading it with that visual that it has there. Now, some famous stories about the Ark. Can anybody tell me some stories in the Bible where it mentions the Ark of the Covenant? Yes, the, that, that's probably one of the main ones in 1 Samuel 6. We're not going to take time to read it, but the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant when it was in the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And if you remember too, in that story, uh, they also put it in the temple of Dagon. And then when they went in the next day, the image of Dagon was falling over. So they stand it back up. They come back in the next day and the head had, it fell down again. The head was off and the hands cut off. And just kind of showing the power of God. And then uh, we also see God ended up smiting them with emeralds uh, because they had the ark. And so they ended up putting it uh, on some cattle and they sent it back to Israel uh, with an offering. With golden mice that you know had marred the land and golden emeralds or hemorrhoids uh, that they made. And so it was like an offering that they did 
which was pretty neat. You had the story of Uzzah, um, who touched the ark uh, when they were uh, moving it in a way that God did not want them moving it. The priests were supposed to carry it with the staves. But they put it on oxen. It shook. He, uh, he moved it and touched it. Um, there's also the story, too, in 1 Samuel 6, where it says, And he smote the men of Beth Shemesh, because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. Even he smote the people, 50,000 and threescore and ten men, and the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many people with a great slaughter. So, I mean, thousands of, because they looked in it. And what happened? Their faces melted, right? That's what happened on Indiana Jones. But, I don't, but yeah, but uh, God did uh, kill a bunch of people for looking inside the Ark of the Covenant. So that's pretty cool. You know, now, what happened to the Ark? Well, um, according to the Bible, we don't really know. There is an interesting passage, though, in Hebrews 9, verse 1 where it says, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made. The first wherein was the candlestick. We're going to see that. And the table. That's that right there. We're going to watch a video about that in a minute. And the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, and uh, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant, overlaid round about with gold wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant and over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. I don't, I'm not real sure what that means why he said we can't speak of it now particularly. I don't know if it, he said that because we don't know where it is. So I don't know if it was already lost at that point. And um, you know, I'm not going to go into all the different theories about the ark of the covenant what happened but obviously it's something the world has always been interested in and if they ever did find it it would be a pretty it would be a pretty cool thing but i think it would all be used to just advance judaism and the antichrist agenda even if they did find it but anyway that's but uh so that's the ark of the covenant now the next one we're going to look at the next video is the table of showbread which is what we're seeing right here and so i'll play this video and then i'll read the description of it in Exodus 25. Again, I'm trying to help have an image in your mind when you read these passages that will make them better. And these things are mentioned in other stories in the Bible. And we, we, we don't visualize these things. And I think it's good to do that. So Exodus 25, 23, thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof and a cubit the breadth thereof and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold and make thereto a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt make unto it a border of an handbreadth round about. And thou shalt make a golden crown to the border of round about. And thou shalt make four, uh, uh, four, four rings of gold. And shalt put the rings in the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be placed for the, of the staves to bear the table. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood. And overlay them with gold that the table may be borne with them. And thou shalt make the dishes thereof, and spoons thereof, and covers thereof, and bowls thereof, to cover withal, of pure gold shalt thou make them. And thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me always. So right there is the table of showbread. Now, can anybody think of any references to this in the Bible? Yes, the story of David eating the showbread. Jesus referred to it. We'll look at what Jesus said in Matthew 12 too, 
It says, But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was in hunger, and they were with him, how he entered into the house of the Lord and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. And so understand that when David would have went into the house of the Lord too, it was, still would have been a tent at that time. The temple hadn't been built yet, uh, but that's, uh, that's really the only reference I could think of. I mean, obviously there's a lot of references to the bread and everything, but that was an important item that was in the tabernacle. And we're going uh, to see the layout too. There's a very specific layout that they had that was in the tabernacle and in the, uh, in the temple of where these things were placed. Because there, there weren't a whole lot of things in there. And, but the table of showbread was one of the things. Uh, and then we're going to watch the, uh, look at the next one. And this is what is known as the golden lampstand or people call it today the menorah. Verse 31, And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold, of beaten work shall the candlestick be made. His shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knops, and his flowers shall be of the same. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it. Three branches of the candlestick out of the one side. Three branches of the candlestick out of the other side. Three bowls made like unto almonds with a knob and a flower in one branch. And three bowls made like almonds on the other branch with a knop and a flower. So in the six branches shall come out the candlestick. And in the candlestick shall be four bowls made like unto almonds with their knops and their flowers. And there shall be a knop under the two branches of the same, and a knop under the two branches of the same, and a knop under the two branches of the same, according to the six branches that proceed out of the candlestick. Their knops and their branches shall be of the same. It shall be one beaten work of pure gold. And thou shalt make seven lamps thereof, and they shall light the lamps thereof, that they may give their light over against it. And the tongs thereof and the snuff dishes thereof shall be of pure gold. Of a talent of pure gold shall he make it with all these vessels. And look that thou make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. So the candlestick. And again, you've all heard of the menorah. The word menorah is not in the Bible, but you all probably recognize that as menorah. That's a big Jewish symbol. Uh, that might resemble something that you'll see where everybody wants to throw the Jews a bone during Hanukkah. And they will have something similar to that. So that's a menorah, which has the one center candlestick with the six branches, three on each side going out. But then there's a Hanukkah. Okay? And a Hanukkah, it looks just like that, but it has four going out each side. And then they uh, light one of those each day for the eight days of Hanukkah. And, uh, and so, that, so there's a, a difference between the menorah and the Hanukkah. But here's the funny thing about that. Supposedly, the miracle of Hanukkah that's in the Talmud, it's not in, uh, it's not in the Apocrypha, it's not in the Maccabees, which it tells us about the desecration of the temple and it tells us about how they got it back and how they cleansed it. It never tells that story, but it talks about how in the Talmud, this miracle that God did, that provided oil. They only had one day's worth of oil, but it lasted for the eight days. And so it was this miracle because that lamp was never supposed to go out. It was always supposed to be burning. And so God miraculously let one day's worth of oil last for eight days. And so that Hanukkah, you know, that was something that was used in the temple. But in the temple, the candlestick had the six branches, not the eight. So they need to make up their mind. 
you know, this, the story doesn't add up, but you know what? We're not Jews. We're Christians, so we're not allowed to question it. You're not allowed to say anything against it. But I'm sorry, it doesn't add up. Definitely not biblical. Not even apocryphal. It's a Talmudic teaching that came hundreds of years after the time of Christ. And uh, don't get me going on that. I've, pre- I've, I've, I've preached messages on that before. But can anybody tell me a story about the candlestick? And that's what you'll usually see it referred to in the Bible. The candlestick is what it'll be called. The candlestick. But often you'll hear people today refer to it as the menorah. Golden lampstand. I think that term is used. But menorah is not. But can anybody remember a story about the menorah or the lamp? candlestick in the Bible. Another term is the lamp of God. So in 1 Samuel 3, I talked about this a while back, uh, but it says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision, and it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see, and ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep. So that's what that was. He let the light go out on that. And I believe, and it was right then when God called Samuel and God also told Samuel the prophecy that God was going to finish Eli and his family. And I think that was the last straw when Eli as the high priest let the lamp go out. God said, all right, I'm done with that priesthood. And that is a major picture of replacement theology. Israel failed to be a light to the world. They they did not do their job as a people. They were not a light to the Gentiles like was prophesied. And so that ministry was taken from them and you could say it was given to Jesus Christ and those who are in Christ because Jesus Christ is the light of the world, but he also said we are the light of the world. And so understand that ministry got taken from a physical nation and a physical people that was given to a spiritual people made up of Jew and Gentile. And so a uh, great picture of that right there. And that, but that is why, and so it's just like God replaced Eli as the priest, uh, uh, you know, or he replaced the, his family, you know, and used another Levite that also was in the line of Aaron. You know, God made sure he kept all his promises, all the promises that got kept, but Eli... His family did not stay in his family. Later when Solomon came along, uh, he got rid of that priesthood and the word of the Lord was fulfilled. So anyway, turn, uh, look at, uh, turn over to Exodus 27. We're going to look at another item and this is uh, the bronze altar. This was something that was outside of the tabernacle. This was actually outside. Uh, it wouldn't be inside the tabernacle. It wasn't even inside the temple. This was in the, in the outside area, but within a court. We'll, and uh, we'll see more pictures and diagrams in future weeks on that. I'm, I really want you to have a visual of these things. But let's go ahead and watch the video of the bronze altar. Thou shalt make an altar of shittim wood, five cubits long and five cubits broad. The altar shall be four square, and the height thereof shall be three cubits. And thou shalt make the horns of it upon the four corners thereof. His horns shall be the same, and thou shalt overlay it with brass. And thou shalt make his pans to receive his ashes and his shovels and his basins and his flesh hooks and his fire pans. All the vessels thereof thou shalt make of brass. And thou shalt make for it a grate of network of brass. And upon the net shalt thou make four brazen rings and the four corners thereof. And thou shalt put it under the compass of the altar beneath. 
that the net may be even to the midst of the altar. And thou shalt make staves for the altar of shittim wood and overlay them with brass. And the staves shall be put into the rings and the staves shall be put uh, upon the two sides of the altar to bear it. Hallow with boards and thou shalt make it as it was showed thee in the mount. So shall they make it. So right there you have the brazen altar. Now can anyone tell me a story in the Bible about the brazen altar? Now this, this one, you probably know this story, but again, a lot of times we don't have a visual. We're not picturing that when we read these stories because it is. It's, it's just hard for us to picture some of these things in our mind. But Nadab and Abihu, when they offered strange fire before the Lord, this is where it happened. Leviticus 10 and verse 1, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, that is, that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Okay, now, I'll kept playing the video. Um, so now, the question that I have, that I'm not, I'm, I could be mixing that up with the altar of incense, which is this right here, but I am pretty sure it was the brazen altar where this happened, because I do think, too, this was something that a lot of the people would watch these sacrifices. This was one they were able to watch, and it would have just been a nice moment for Israel to see uh, these guys get torched, for not doing things the way God said. And, um, and, you know, and when God did this too, these are Aaron's sons. God told Aaron, hold your peace. What these guys did was wrong. The things of the, te- the tabernacle and the temple, they were holy. They were supposed to be holy because they were a picture of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So he wanted them being very reverent with those things. He did not want to mess around with that stuff. So, the story of Nadab and Abihu offering strange fire, that was with that brazen altar as it's often referred to. Now we're going to look at the altar of incense. This was something uh, that was, it was inside the tabernacle right before you go into the Holy of Holies. So, Exodus 30, verse 1, And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon, of shittim wood shalt thou make it, a cubit and a half, uh, a cubit shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, four squares shall it be, and two cubits shall be the height thereof. The horns thereof shall be of the same. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof, and the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof. And thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. And two golden rings shalt thou make to it under the crown of it. By the two corners thereof, upon the two sides of it shalt thou make it. And they shall be for places for the staves to bear it withal. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony before the mercy seat that is over the testimony where I will meet with thee. And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning when he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall ye pour drink offering thereon. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Once in a year shall he make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord. 
So think, picture that. You got some cool visuals there to kind of show you what it looked like, uh, what the high priest would do. It was right before that veil, which is the veil that Jesus rent in twain. Uh, on this video, the picture that you're seeing, it's showing what it would have looked like in the tabernacle. But remember, they had the same layout in the temple. And so, can anybody think of a, temp, a story in the Bible where the altar of incense is specifically mentioned? This is another pretty famous story. Anybody think of? And you know, because the thing is, now that you've watched all this stuff too, when you read these stories next time, you're going to remember these facts. In fact, you know, like I said, a lot of these things too, I've read the stories a million times where these things are referenced. But it was like when I'm, I was learning all this stuff about the, you know, the vessels of the temple, I'm like, I never even, you know, I was familiar with the altar of incense, but I just didn't have the picture in my head. And then, and so I didn't connect it with some of these stories. But here's a famous story in Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. Remember John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, who was a priest. It says, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw it, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. So that an angel appeared at that altar of incense right there. Um, while Zacharias is performing that, offering that upon the altar, you know, what did it smell like? I have no idea. They weren't allowed to make any, uh, they weren't allowed to use that for anything else. I'm sure if you ask the Jews today, they'll tell you what it smelled like. They've probably got something, but it probably isn't right either. But, uh, either way, a cool story in the Bible involving the altar of incense. Another story in, in the Bible that I really like is remember Uzziah. Uh, when he went into the temple, he wasn't supposed to go into the temple, but he did. And it says um, in Second Chronicles twenty six sixteen. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. He had no business. The high priest was supposed to do that. And it says in Azariah, the priest went in after him with fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men, and they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him. It appertaineth not unto the Uzziah to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. And you all know the story. He became a leper. And when he became a leper, man, then the priests, they really got him out of there quick. Because first off, he's violating the temple by being in there. He's from Judah. He's not the high priest. He's got, and, and you know, and they, they love and respect the king. But thankfully, these guys love and respected the things of God even more. And when, and when Uzziah saw he was a leper, he got scared. And, you know, he was running out just as fast as they were driving him out. And uh, just kind of a great story there. 
But for some reason, he thought he could offer, you know, do mess with the altar of incense. He had, he had no right doing that, even though he was a king. Another story involving the altar of incense in Revelation 8. This is talking about the one in heaven. It says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half an hour. And the seven angels which stood before the ark of God and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne and the, and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hands. And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and cast it to the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and earthquakes. So understand, the altar of incense is involved during the seven trumpets, something that's yet to come. So uh, just kind of an interesting thing. We're all familiar with the seven trumpets, but again, that altar of incense, uh, the one that's in heaven, uh, kind of plays a part in that. You see an angel involved there. And so the last of the vessels that we're going to look at this is what's known as the laver, uh, the laver of brass. And so let's go ahead and read. This is in Exodus 30, verse 17. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Thou shalt also make a laver of brass, and his foot also of brass, to wash withal. I don't know if I got that going or not. And thou shalt put water therein, for Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. And when they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord, so they shall wash their hands and their feet that they die not. And it shall be a statute forever to them, even to them and to his seed throughout their generations. So this was something they would use to wash right before going into the temple. So this was something that was also on the outside in between the altar and the tabernacle. So they have the altar, they offer the sacrifice, they've got the laver, they can wash themselves up, and then the very next thing they would do, go right into the tabernacle. Now, I can't, uh, I, I can't think of any significant stories in the Bible uh, involving this, but now that you've kind of got an image of each of these vessels, I do want to show you some pictures uh, of some things, because... Hopefully now, uh, oops, I went too far back. Hopefully now you'll kind of have a, you know, a picture now when you're thinking about these things. So I'm going to show you some, uh, some of the pictures I'm going to show you are from a model of the tabernacle that my, my wife and I went to a few years ago. This is in, um, what's that town in Pennsylvania? It's where all the Amish are, Lancaster, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, so let me let me show you some of these pictures. So this first picture, this is actually of a model tabernacle that they have in Israel. Uh, I've never been I've never been able to go out to this, but I, oops, I'm assuming it's probably in the Shiloh area. I mean, I would think that's where they put it. But there's there's a model that's supposed to be like the one was originally. I don't know for sure. I would love to go see this uh, if I could ever get a chance. But that's what that picture's of. So that's the altar, the laver the tabernacle. So that kind of gives you an idea there. And so what would this be? Yes, the altar of incense. And right there is, I guess, the veil is what that's supposed to be. And so here, you've got the brazen altar. And again, the laver, 
and then the tabernacle right there. I don't know which is more accurate, this computer animated one. So there is the laver and the priests uh, washing themselves right before going in. So what would this be? The candlestick. Yeah, the candlestick or the menorah. And then here's another picture of the altar of incense. Um, now this, that's the candlestick. This is the one... I made a video about this a while back. This is this is one is in Israel, right outside the Temple Mount Institute. Supposedly, this is pure gold, or it's like overlaid with gold. Uh, it looks really fake. Okay, I, I'm pretty sure it's fake. We asked them if it was real gold. Uh, one person said, "Well, it's like gold plated." Another one said, "Yes, it's real gold. It like rained gold over it for 40 days and became real gold or something." It was a weird story like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's fake. But um, suppose, and, and supposedly, this is what all the Baptists will tell you. That's the manure they're going to put in the new temple when it's rebuilt. No, it's not. Okay. First off, the Temple Mount Institute has, is going to have nothing to do with getting the temple rebuilt. Okay? And I, I'm not going to explain that right now. Say that for any Zionist watching this just to get triggered. Uh, go watch some of my other videos on that. Temple Mount Institute is an absolute joke. Um, but here is a picture. I believe the next one is me with the menorah. I'm there, part of Bible prophecy, Bible history, right there with the artifacts. And, of course, uh, so right here, this is a picture. If you, if you go to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, we were all, I was all excited about it. They've got like a model of the tabernacle there. And so I thought they were going to like, you know, yeah, it was kind of expensive to go in here too. So I thought we were going to go into like an actual tabernacle. It's a church building, as you can see. You know, the roof was kind of like in our old church building. And then they just built these sides that's as fake as looking as all. All this stuff is so fake looking, okay? And then you can kind of sit there in these pews and look inside. This picture I, uh, that I took. And you've got all just these cheap, lame, pathetic-looking replicas. It did not seem authentic at all. You want to talk about a letdown, okay? But they at least, they had the things all laid out like they're supposed to. The menorah or the candlestick was to be on the left side as you came in. You have the altar of incense right before you go into the Holy of Holies. The Ark of the Covenant is behind there. And over here to the right, you can't see it in this picture, is where the table of showbread goes. So... And their table of showbread was pathetic, too. It didn't have all the extra layers of things on it. I mean, this was really disappointing. I had high expectations when I went out there. I was very let down. And you would think with what they were charging, that I, I could have put together a better display than this right here. I'm telling you right now, I, I could have done better than this. But that they, they had it all laid out right. I don't even know if the size is even close to what the Bible describes. Uh, maybe... It, it could have been pretty similar to what it was when it was portable in the tabernacle. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, just pretty big letdown. So that's the Ark of the Covenant behind the Holy of Holies. This one, it actually looks... All, I will say, at the Temple Mount Institute, the ones that they have look more real than this. But even theirs look fake. Okay? Theirs, you can tell, are not real gold. And if they do rebuild the temple, I promise the Jews will not want to use the stuff at the Temple Mount Institute. It's too lame. It's not well done. But I don't, I don't, maybe they will. Maybe they don't really give a rip. 
about the things of the temple. Uh, let me say, if there's Jews that actually care and want to do things like the Bible describes, they will not use the stuff at the Temple Mount Institute because it's just cheap, counterfeit, substitute, junk. And so, um, yeah, it, this was not inspiring. That, that Ark of the Covenant was just terrible, but I don't know. I, I wanted to share these pictures. Uh, these were all the ones that we took when I was there. Just kind of give you a layout. So right here where we're standing, again, they don't have it all covered like it, it would have been. But if you would have, this is kind of like what the entrance would have been. So you would, you would walk in directly in front of you. You would see the veil behind that's the Holy of Holies. The altar of incense right before that. To your left, you'll have the candlestick that's always supposed to be lit. And to the right, you'd have the table of showbread. And so it's good to have these, these images in your mind when you're reading these stories. Notice the people all masked up back there. Uh, they, they tried pushing the masks, even at this place, out in conservative Pennsylvania. Uh, but anyway, I think that's all the pictures. Yeah, that's all the pictures I had of that. But uh, hopefully that kind of gives you uh, an idea of the tabernacle. So I'm hoping next week to possibly... Um, go a little more into some of the practices because when you read the stories of the sacrifices, that's another part that when you're reading it, you can just kind of be like, you know, you're, you're not picturing it. But now uh, what I'm hoping is going to happen, now that we have an image in your head of all these different things, I want us to go back and read these stories again and also visualizing how all that worked. And I'm telling you, it makes the Bible more interesting. And then... Once you get to where you actually have an image in your head of what these things look like, which the Jews knew what it looked like. They, they were familiar with this stuff. I think it makes it easier, too, to point to the things that point to Jesus Christ in these stories. And it can really just turn the Bible from black and white into color. So we'll have more, uh, probably more on the tabernacle next week. And then we're going to kind of show the temple. And when we get to the temple, you, you know, by then you should all be familiar with kind of the layout and how the things work. And so some really, uh, really interesting stuff there. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for some of these uh, tools that we have today that can help us visualize these things so we can have a better understanding of the scripture, Lord. And I pray if we get anything out of these lessons, uh, help us to just have a greater understanding of uh, the, your sacrifice that you made for our sins and help us to be able to use these things in the Old Testament uh, to point people directly to you. In your name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.